0: Welcome to our study of the Book of Ruth on the Autumn Ridge Women's Podcast. My name is Svea Mary, and here with me to talk through chapter two of this beautiful story of extraordinary kindness is my friend and fellow Bible teacher, Angie Pancratz. Welcome, Angie. Hi, Svea. It's so good to be back. Good to have you back here again. Uh, So last week, we're going to jump right into this, last week when Heather and I talked through chapter one. We met Naomi and her family, and uh, we saw the story about how they left the land that God had given their family in Bethlehem because of a famine and sought help for themselves in a rather unlikely place. They went to the land of Moab, and that's a country that wasn't really on good terms with the Israelites. So that was a kind of a surprising detail right away at the beginning of the story. And then sadly, we saw that rather than that solving their problems, things got even worse when not only Naomi's husband, but also her two sons died, leaving her destitute along with her two daughters-in-law, Orpa and Ruth. We talked about how widows in that day had very few options. A widow's best hope would be to be cared for and provided by her son. But Naomi's sons were dead, and Ruth and Orpa had no children. And in cases where there were no sons to care for their mother then a deceased husband's brother would often take the widow in, but there weren't any brothers to provide for these widows either. They were really in quite a tough spot. Mm. Naomi really didn't have any good options to provide for herself, let alone her daughter's-in-law. And so she told her, her sweet daughter's-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, to go home to their parents' homes. And Orpa did but Ruth did something really surprising. Ruth refused to leave Naomi and chose instead to go with Naomi back to Bethlehem, saying that she committed herself for life to Naomi, to Naomi's God, and to his people, which is really quite remarkable from for a young woman from Moab, a land, like we said, was not terribly friendly towards mm-hmm. God or towards the Israelites. Those
1: words are such a sweet oath of loyalty in mm-hmm. God's word. It's pretty remarkable that Ruth would do that without even really understanding who the God of Israel is. So how do you think that happened, that she came to serve her allegiance to a God that she wasn't even familiar with? Do Mm -hmm. you think she really knew what
0: she was doing? Well, I think, you know, unfortunately, we don't have enough from the text to know exactly how that happened. But I think it's Mm -hmm. reasonable to think that Naomi... Would have shared God with her, that Naomi would have talked about God and what it meant to follow him and mm-hmm. and uh, the directions that he had given his people for how to live a life that was pleasing to him. And I heard a commentator say that they actually
1: traveled fifty miles together. Uh-huh. So maybe as they were walking along, you know, she was gleaning already from Naomi sure. some information about who
0: the God of Israel was. he's telling her more of what to expect yeah, in, uh, <laughs> exactly. in God's You're land. Be known
1: as Ruth the Moabite. Let me just say that. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's what we're about to see as we look at chapter two. Mm-hmm. Um, so Naomi traveled back to Bethlehem with Ruth to this land that God had given her people. And we saw last week how Naomi really seemed to express God being against her. And that mm-hmm. was kind of behind Naomi's feeling that she'd become bitter, that her life had turned sour, that things had gone so wrong. She clearly felt that all the tragedy that she endured was a direct result of God doing it to her. And we, we talked about maybe it was because she felt guilty for leaving her home, mm-hmm. for leaving the place that God had given them, and uh, and didn't trust that God would eventually turn around and provide, which we see that he eventually did for the people in Bethlehem. Um, but that as she got to that point of being utterly destitute and without any other options, she now turned around uh, to go back to Bethlehem and to be dependent on God and his people. We noted that application that Getting to the point of recognizing that we really need God can be scary mm-hmm. and and very humbling, and it can be costly to mm-hmm. leave the places where we've gone to try to fend for ourselves and take control of our lives. But coming to trust in God is truly where our only real hope can mm-hmm. be found.
1: Um, there can be so many questions at that point. When you're leaving everything that you're comfortable with behind and you're coming towards the Lord Mm -hmm. and maybe his people and you're feeling like an outsider. Mm -hmm. There's so many questions. It's like when I come back to God or even when I come to him for the first time, what can I expect from him? Will he be angry with me or will he punish me? Mm -hmm. Will he be loving but make me earn my way back into his favor or is he really this kind and generous God that I hope that he is? Yeah. Those ideas had to be swirling around inside Ruth's mind.
0: Absolutely. I think those are really great questions. And I think that that absolutely sets up the stage for where we're beginning in chapter two, These these questions of, you know, what do we expect now that they're back in Bethlehem? Um, and I love that the text right away in verse 1 of chapter 2 sets up another question for us when it tells us this kind of juicy detail that that in Bethlehem, there's this man named Boaz, who is a relative of Naomi's through her husband, and that he is the kind of man who has the potential to provide help. But, but the real question that it leaves us with is, will he? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I love to read this these
1: chapters in different versions. And I started out with uh, the message version. Mm-hmm. And one thing I noticed is right away in verse 1, it says, It so happened that Naomi had a relative. And then you jump down to verse 3, and it says, And she happened to come to the field of Boaz. And I think we have to remember that God is in the details.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He may be silent, but he is never distant. And we serve a God who is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. He responds to those who seek him. And so we can't look at those things as coincidences, but rather just a sweet evidence that he is at work. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, I mean, have you ever experienced anything like that, Savea?
0: I have. I have. I, uh, um I have a story I'd love to share with you in a minute. Um, but I just I appreciate you bringing that out because I think having those, those recognition times when you mm. see God is at work is so important. Now, as we talk about this chapter, we're not going to read through the whole chapter on the podcast today. Um, so just for you listening at home, if you haven't yet read this story, I'd encourage you to maybe pause the audio right now and, and read through the chapter, or or even uh, if you have, maybe you still want to have it in front of you so you can stay in context mm-hmm. with us. Because um, what Angie's pointing to, this verse 3, when Ruth just happens to come <laughs> to, to Boa, Boaz's field, and then verse four, we see this kind of lo and behold, Boaz just happens to arrive there. It's such a, a cool thing and, and important to see that even though God is not directly credited with making um, as like an active player in this story, He is very much a behind the scenes player orchestrating these events. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so to your to your question, have I ever experienced that? I have, and mm-hmm. it's one of the sweetest things in my life to look back and see times where I feel like God's fingerprints mm-hmm. were all over a, a situation. Um, the one that immediately always comes to mind for me was this time when uh, my first husband was was very sick with mm-hmm. cancer. And I was um, a young mom. I was pregnant with our second child. I was just exhausted. I was driving home from a day uh, we'd been at the hospital that day, and I was on my way home, yeah, and okay. I drove past Baker Square. And... <laughs> I had such a craving for French silk pie. I just would have done anything for a French silk pie in that moment. I thought about stopping, but I was just even too tired to stop wow. and get out of the car and go in and buy it. So I just, I went home. I thought all I really want is a bubble bath. Mm-hmm. But then I got home and there was a friend who had come by with a meal for us that night. And wouldn't you know, it just stop. so happened. Don't even say it. <laughs> That, of course, that meal was complete with a French silk pie. That's awesome. And not only that, she had a little gift bag with it that contained a thing of bubble bath, too. And (laughs) I saw that and I just started crying because I thought, oh, what a sweet God that he knew the tiniest little details and desires that I had and made that happen for me. That's so cool. And I think it's so easy for us to say, oh, it's just
1: coincidence or it just happened that, that way, but Really, we have to recognize that God is in the details and he sometimes supplies the big things for us. But then there's also just those sweet little morsels that we get that remind us that he cares about us
0: and our even smallest need that we might have. Mm-hmm. And I love that chapter two of this story of Ruth starts off that way with pointing mm-hmm. out these details and these coincidences, because when we ended chapter one with this kind of fear of what can these ladies expect? Naomi thinks God's against her. Right. And yet to start off chapter two with this, not only hope, but this kind of twinkle of not only can you expect good yeah. and kind things from God, he almost seems like he's just up there in heaven moving pieces around with a yeah. twinkle in his eye, just like, You know, you just wait. There are some blessing showers coming Ruth's way for sure. Absolutely. So we see Ruth just happened to come to Boaz's field. Lo and behold, Boaz just happens to arrive um, just in time. But uh, but let's, let's dig into this character of Ruth a little bit, because I think it's kind of funny that she still is always referred to as Ruth the Moabite.
1: Yeah, she can't ditch that reputation, can she? No. You know, I think so often Christianity gets the reputation that we are for weak-willed women, that Mm. we are against strong women. And when you look at certain characters like Ruth, it's quite the opposite. You know that Ruth is such a hard worker and she is willing to do whatever she can for both she and Naomi. And yet she does have this reputation that she is Ruth the Moabite Mm -hmm. and she is the outsider, the foreigner, the one who's not like the rest of them. It's Mm -hmm. very clear that even on in the chapter that she is referred to as Ruth, not just Ruth, but Ruth the Moabite. And I'm just wondering about our listeners, if there was ever a time when they remember being in that position, when they were either coming to know the Lord for the first time or returning after being away for a time away from him, where it was almost like they were coming back with a label. I don't know what it would be, but like um, Bonnie, who's bankrupt, or um, Allie, the addict, or whatever it is, just that feeling of like, I do not fit in, Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to be like the rest of them. And I feel like that is how Ruth is coming into this story, just feeling like such an outsider, and yet, God is aware and watching her and ready to bless her.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a good point. So as we see Ruth, the Moabite, uh, beginning chapter two, she asks Naomi if she can go and glean in the fields that day to provide some food for them. And I just want to talk about this concept of gleaning a little bit as mm. we look into this. Now, if you've read the story, the the chapter, you kind of know where the story's headed, but there's some fun um, insights, I think, into this concept of gleaning that that uh, help us appreciate the state of, of where they were. Um, and there's two that I'd like to bring out. So gleaning... Really does imply the complete and utter poverty mm-hmm. of these two women. This is mm-hmm. kind of the the equivalent of like dumpster diving. This for isn't thrift store
1: shopping. This is dumpster diving. It
0: truly <laughs> is. So this g- concept of gleaning was something that God set up um, for His people to be intentionally generous to mm. the to the poorest of the poor, to the neediest of the needy. Um, back in the Book of Leviticus, it talked about uh, that when someone reaped the harvest. Of of the land that they were supposed to leave the edges of the field untouched so that people could go and pick up kind of what was left mm-hmm. over Mm -hmm. Um, from that side. He affirms it again in Deuteronomy saying, when you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, don't go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all of the work of your hands. This concept of gleaning was a provision that God wanted so that his people would be generous like God is generous. Right? Um,
1: But we are in a time of Israel when people did what was right only in their eyes. So mm -hmm. I think it would take somebody... With upstanding character, to be willing to leave the edges of the field. you know, it's that's not an easy task. And no. Boaz was obedient to that.
0: Yeah, the fact that in Boaz's field, gleaning was happening mm-hmm. is evidence that Boaz was following the law. Like you say, Angie, in a day when everyone was just doing what was right in their mm-hmm. own eyes. There was no king. People were interpreting matters mm-hmm. um, the way that they saw fit. And, uh, and it was a time of moral chaos. Mm-hmm. So the fact that uh, Boaz's field was open for the poor, for the fatherless, for the widows to come um, and glean um, gives us a a really important insight into the character of of Boaz. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that I think is helpful to bring out in that is that it also brings out the character of Ruth. Mm. Um, The idea that Ruth is there gleaning in the first place demonstrates that she expects that God's people are going to be doing this provision that god has told them to do Um, it's demonstrating her faith that uh, that god will provide generously through his people Um, and i think that's a beautiful thing like you said earlier angie you know how did ruth know about what it meant to be a follower of God. Um, So somewhere along the way, Naomi must have explained this custom that maybe this is our one hope as we go back to Bethlehem, that we can feed ourselves by, uh, by picking up what's left over in the fields.
1: And you know what else I thought of is she's also gleaning with these other widows or singles who have no hope. There could have been some conversation going on there where she was Mm -hmm. actually, while she was working, maybe she was learning more about Israel's history Mm -hmm. and the God who was gracious to them.
0: Mm -hmm. You never know. Yeah, (laughs) I'm just... That would be sweet. Reading between the lines. You never
1: know what was happening in the fields there.
0: Yeah, that would be sweet. Well, we do know what was happening for sure in the fields Mm -hmm. was that Boaz was being incredibly generous Mm -hmm. to to Ruth. Not just generous in the sense that he was following this provision and making it possible for her to come and and pick up what was left over, but but even more so. Mm Mm-hmm. I love the way he interacted with the gleaners. Right as soon as he
1: came, he would greet them. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you. We see that in verse 4. And it's... Astounding because even though he was wealthy and obviously had some high status, he did not have to have a relationship with the poor, but it seems that he did. Mm -hmm. Not only did he greet them, but they also responded as if they knew him to be a kind man. Mm -hmm. And he was generous. Let's face it. This is Ruth the Moabite. I firmly believe that he was not doing this to be hitting on Ruth, as many may say or some may say. But rather, I think he is just doing this to be generous to one in need. On more than one occasion, God commanded the Israelites to be generous. And when he did this, he would often say that they need to remember that they, too, were once foreigners. Mm -hmm. And so that's clearly evident that Boaz is being obedient to that. And he is not doing this to get any public praise because he's doing it in privacy. And it, so that's just a really sweet thing about Boaz.
0: It really is. And and as you say, what we do see in this chapter, if we just kind of walk through this chapter and, and look at his generosity, it just builds and builds and builds. At first, you know, in verse eight, he affirms that he wants Ruth to glean in his field, uh, meeting her need for food. But also he says specifically that she should stay in his field where he knows that she'll be safe. And, mm. and that's a sweet thing. Mm-hmm. Um, then he also adds in verse nine that whenever she gets thirsty, she should go and help herself to their water that, that they've drawn. Uh, and then that's not all. As the story progresses in verse 14, he invites her to join him and his workers to share in a meal. And we're told not only was she given her fill, but she had food left over, uh, which is just kind of a fun detail. I don't know that it's supposed to be a foreshadowing of symbolic. another time when people were given so much to eat in a miraculous way that they had food left over, but it does bring that to mind for me. Um, then continuing in verse 15, Boaz instructs his workers to not only let Ruth glean among the sheaves, you know, where it would be, not just the edges of the field necessarily, but the most bountiful, the best part of the harvest, but that they should even leave out entire sheaves for her to find mm-hmm. and gather. Um, the end of the chapter tells us that when Ruth went home to Naomi that night, she not only, she had this entire ephah. Of barley, and we don't even need to know how much an ephah is in modern day equivalent (laughs) to understand the context here, the implication that she had an incredibly abundant many pounds of food. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, so often in scripture, it seems like
1: when people have their physical need met, they are more open to looking to the Lord for spiritual. just fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And I think we have experienced that. I was thinking of Compassion Evangelical Hospital or different mission trips that you're on. If you can meet someone's basic physical need and then you share the gospel, it's just a powerful way to say, I care about you Mm -hmm. in every way. And so how could Ruth not be open to knowing more about the God of Israel Mm -hmm. when she is receiving so much from this great man of integrity here from Boaz?
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, which is much of what was behind this whole concept, right? For the people of God, for the nation of Israel to be known as a people that are generously providing. For the poor, for the foreigner, for the needy, um, right. and through this, it's a beautiful thing. And and that's what's behind it. You alluded earlier, I don't think Boaz is doing this because he's hitting on Ruth. Um, <laughs> the story gets such a bad rap as being this sappy love story. And and there's a great love story, but the love right. that it points to more often is the love between Ruth and Naomi, right. not Ruth and Boaz. <laughs> um, and I think it kind of cheapens the story if we mm-hmm. think that. Because there's nothing in this chapter that tells us that Ruth is some young hot. Um, There are other characters in the Bible that are described as attractive, but Ruth's not one of them. Apparently, that's not relevant to this story. And there's nothing that says that Boaz wants anything from Ruth. In Mm -hmm. fact, when Ruth specifically asks him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes? his answer to her is that he's just touched by the devotion and the committed love that she has for Naomi and her, her family. And he admires that she's taken refuge in God, that right. that she's placed herself under right. God's wings, his metaphorical protection. Um, and and remembering that, Ru- that Boaz is a close relative of mm-hmm. Naomi's, that juicy detail that we got in the very beginning of the story that Ruth didn't know at the time, but we got to know. Um, that he really does seem to be treating her like family. Right. He's right. regarding her as part of Naomi and Elimelech's family. Notice in verse 8, he called her daughter. So it's it's so much sweeter and purer and richer than just, you know, he's not trying to Match look for a Saturday night date.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. But can I just say that, again, as mom of teenagers, I do kind of want my girls to be dating a Boaz. It's not that I want to say that this is all about, you know, match.com and the Bible. But, you know, he does have such quality characteristics that can be appealing for for a spouse. And I think it the fact that he did um, recognize those same attributes in Ruth is um, just shows that character counts.
0: Absolutely. Of course, I'd like my daughters to be dating the same kind of guy. I want my sons to be this kind of man. Exactly. So, yeah, I think that's that's good. And, and his character is what shows us these wonderful answers to some of those questions that you started us off with. You know, when we were starting this chapter saying, you know, what kind of God are we going to find here? What kind of things are going to happen to these ladies now that they're back in Bethlehem? Um, this really grief filled Naomi was sure that God was against her. She was afraid of of God's judgment, punishment, thinking that he's bringing all this calamity against her. But this chapter showed us that, no, he's just so happening to work Mm. things out for their good, for Mm -hmm. their their kindness, for their provision. He's bringing the right people into their lives to care for them, Um, and it's such a beautiful thing. Mm. Mm I think
1: sometimes when we think about who are the type of people that God blesses or, you know what I mean? I think it's so easy to have a vision in your head of, okay, that's the type of person that God really wants to bless. I don't think Ruth and Naomi would have put themselves on any list or near Mm. the top of the list. Mm -hmm. And yet that is who God is, is he sees the outsider and he is a God who goes and rescues. He leaves the 99 to rescue that one. Mm. And so we just see that a lot in this story of, his kindness through
0: Boaz. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I, I think we can see him do the same thing for us, right? Mm. When, when we turn to Christ, or maybe when we turn back to him after a season of, of wandering on our own, what kind of God can we expect to mm-hmm. find? You know, I think in our, in our fears, we're afraid that maybe God will be angry at us or disappointed right. in us or or that we're going to have to somehow earn our way back into his favor, but one of the stories, one of the points that we can draw from this this mm. whole book, and chapter two in particular, is that God is just a God of generous, generous mm-hmm. kindness. I always love the story of the prodigal. And it's cool
1: to see that that father is waiting on the front porch for the son to return home. And not only does he just wait, he runs towards him. And so we see that here with God, um, just as... Naomi and Ruth come back to the Lord, and maybe for Ruth, it's for the first time, he is welcoming them and he is showering them with blessing to Mm -hmm. let them know, I am a God who loves and who provides for you.
0: Mm -hmm. At the end of this chapter, we see Naomi maybe beginning to heal a little bit Mm -hmm. in her relationship with God. She's softening. Yeah. There's some softening going on, I think. Yeah, she goes from being the, the woman who wants to be identified as being bitter at the end of chapter one, because she thinks God's hand has gone right. out against her, Right. to to something, there's a sweet detail in verse 20, if you notice that uh, when she hears that it was Boaz that was providing for Ruth and for her by extension, um, that she not only wants the Lord to bless Boaz, she recognizes that the Lord was being kind mm-hmm. to her as well, mm-hmm. and And I think it's a beautiful thing that she sees God hasn't forsaken her in the way that she thought that he had, but that he's providing and being kind for her.
1: I also think that there's a foundation of faith in her that maybe was harbored for a little bit or just kind of uh, stuck way down. But now it seems like it's coming to life. It's like, you know, she's returning back to those truths that she was taught as a child. Mm -hmm. And maybe she has been away for a decade and who knows what has happened in Moab. But it's evident that that it's still there, that the Lord is softening
0: her heart again towards him. Mm hmm. Well, as we as we bring this to the close, there's one more thing I kind of want to point out here because it's one of my favorite things about the Book of Ruth, and that's that this isn't just a great story; mm. it's also great literature too. It's it's a beautiful book, beautifully written, and uh, and just like when we read great stories or, or even watch a, a fabulous TV series that mm-hmm. keeps us on the edge of our our seat from week to week, they, every chapter or episode seems to end with a little bit of a cliffhanger that makes you want to come back next week and find out what happens. And Ruth is no exception to that. We saw <laughs> it last week when they gave us the little teaser that, yeah. that they arrived back just in time for the harvest. And uh, the last verse of chapter two does the same thing. Chapter tw- or Verse 23 says that Ruth did continue safely gleaning in Boaz's field all the way to the end of the barley and the wheat harvest, and that she lived with her mother-in-law And at first glance, you'd think, well, we've got the sweet happy ending, right? She got to keep gleaning. She's living with Naomi. That seems happy to us. It seems like it's resolved the issues of chapter one. It's fine for today's culture, right? That would be fine. Yeah. But during these days, that's still pretty desperate. It is. When you really think about it, if you if you ponder that for a mm-hmm. while, it should leave us with some kind of glaring concern mm-hmm. for Ruth and Naomi and where they are mm-hmm. at this point in the story because it's implying the harvest has ended. And so while Boaz has been incredibly generous to them during the time of the harvest, we don't know now what's going to happen for them now that Ruth can't go and just glean in this field and right. bring home the food that's been feeding them. And and furthermore, the idea that Ruth is living with her mother-in-law, well, we love the relationship between these mm-hmm. two women. It's a beautiful thing, mm-hmm. this beautiful relationship of loyalty and devotion. But remember, Naomi has no way to provide for herself, right. let alone for Ruth. So this, too, should should kind of leave us wondering, how are these these sweet women going to be okay? And so with that... I can't wait for next week Today. when we get to, to, <laughs> to, uh, to explore chapter 3 to see how this incredible story of kindness will continue when we're going to see not just the goodness of a human redeemer, but an even better picture of our heavenly redeemer. Can't wait.